You know, I talk to a lot of people about God. And I find that as I talk to people about uh, the Lord, that most people, many people, I find, are open to God. In fact, I believe that many people today are sensing that they need God in many ways in their own life. And I believe that many people, if they truly had an opportunity to talk to somebody that they trusted, to talk to somebody that they really thought they could really kind of open up their heart to, I think many people would tell you they would like to know more about God. They would be interested in having a relationship with Him. But from what they've heard about God, His standards are too high. They just don't measure up. They could never do enough to please Him, so why even try? If that's you tonight, I'm glad you chose to come to church. Because I think what we're going to learn about together tonight could radically change your view of God and could potentially even change your life. As we turn to Philippians chapter 3, I want to remind you that we are doing a series throughout this summer called Finding True Joy. We're studying the book of Philippians, and obviously as we walk through Philippians, joy is one of the heaviest emphases throughout the book, emphases throughout the book that the Apostle Paul was led to write this letter to these people in Philippi. So far, we've talked about, just to kind of review with you, we've talked about finding joy in relationships. We talked about finding joy in a mission, in the mission that God has given us, the purpose that He's given us for our lives. We talked about finding joy in spite of our circumstances. That's a good one, amen? No matter what's going on around me, I can still have joy in my life. We talked about finding joy in serving other people. Surprisingly, but I think it probably is kind of welling up in us who are allowing Christ to work in our lives. Joy really does come through giving your life sacrificially to serve others. And last time we talked about joy and learning from other people. God gives us a family. God gives us the body of Christ. God gives us the people of God around us so that we can grow in our relationship with Him and we can make an impact in the lives of others. And tonight, we're going to talk about joy in being accepted by God. Some of us are not very happy in our lives. And one of the reasons, maybe the primary reason, is because we've never truly experienced the amazing grace of God. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's look at Philippians 3 verse 1. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. He says in verse 2, Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more, Paul says, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to, righteous, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. We're talking tonight about finding joy and being accepted by God. And first of all, I want to talk with you about we all need someone to teach us about grace. Write that down. 
We all need somebody to teach us about grace. Paul says here in verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things, again, is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Now, there's a few things I want to mention, first of all, as we look at this verse. He says, finally, well, that's a little bit odd because it's not the end of the letter. And you think, well, that's a typical pastor, because pastors say, in conclusion, and then 30 minutes later, right? Okay, I try not to do that to you guys. I just don't say in conclusion, all right? But that's not what's happening here. Actually, probably, there's at least 40, maybe 50% of the letters still left. Probably it's better translated, furthermore, or in addition, or or kind of moving on from what I've been talking about. Paul's sort of transitioning. He's not really concluding. He's transitioning. He's been talking about some things. Now he's going to talk about some more things. And it might even be in a little bit different direction. And you kind of notice that if you've been with us. This is a, a little bit different direction than what we've been talking about before. But he does say, finally, rejoice in the Lord. Now when you read that, If you have been with us throughout this series, you ought to smile a little bit. Because if you remember what we've read so far, Paul's already mentioned joy at least, by my count, ten times. So for him to say, oh yeah, let me just remind you, I'm writing a letter. Remember, we're reading a letter, right? He said, I'm writing this letter. Let me just remind you to rejoice in the Lord. That's kind of like, I sort of felt like as I read that, it's kind of like me sitting with my kids, and you know, I like to kind of aggravate my kids. I tell them, they, they, they say I'm weird, okay? I said, guys, don't encourage me, okay? Because that's a badge of honor to dads, okay? I want to be weird, all right? So, so I'll be sitting there and I might say, hey, Lindsay, uh, it's raining outside. And I'll sit there for a few minutes and, hey, hey, Lindsay, did you know something? What, Dad? It's raining. And I'll sit there a few more minutes and, hmm, what is it? What? I hear something. What's good? Oh, it's raining outside. Okay, When I heard Paul say that, I sort of got that, you know, I don't think he's trying to irritate them. I think uh, the reminder is supposed to be obvious throughout the letter. I mean, if you read a letter and, and, and 10 times up to this point, and as best I can tell, around 14 times total throughout the letter, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice. He's trying to get across something to them, isn't he? And here, I believe, it ties in with something specific that he's going to talk about here in just a moment in verses 2 and 3. But then he continues, he says, to write the same things is no trouble to me. He says, I don't mind repeating some things. And actually, it's a safeguard. It's kind of helpful for you. Now, now what's Paul talking about here? Is he talking about that rejoice thing? He says, I've talked to you about rejoicing, and so I don't mind repeating that to you again because it's kind of good for you and it's no trouble for me. Or is he talking about what he's about to talk about? And as we read what he's about to talk about, we're going to see that wasn't something he had already mentioned in the letter. So he might be saying to them, hey, when I've been with you before, I've talked with you about what I'm about to talk about. Okay? Now, we're not sure. Which one is he, which one is he getting to there? I think he's probably meaning both. The Apostle Paul is saying to them, I don't mind continuing to emphasize this theme, this concept of joy to you because I know you've lost a little bit of it or maybe you've been threatened to lose a little bit of your joy because of my situation because of what we talked about last week with Epaphroditus and him getting sick and and you worrying about that and and probably even with what we're going to talk about tonight so what was it that these people were facing that might be robbing them of their joy 
Now we're going to get into the specifics more in verses 2 and 3, but in essence, listen because this is very important to the message. There were some people in their lives who were doing their best to convince them that though they had given their life to Jesus, they said, okay, the, Philippian, the people in the Philippian church, they claimed to be followers of Jesus. There were some other people who were trying to convince them that though they claimed to be followers of Jesus, there were still some things that they had to do in order to have a relationship with God. Did you hear that? Paul says there were some people that came into their lives that said, yeah, we know you claim to be a Christian, but you've missed some things and we're going to tell you what you've missed. And it's causing you to miss out on a relationship with God. Now, like I said, we're going to get into the specifics in just a moment. But this is the point that I want to bring out right here. Paul had in the past... And right here in this passage, he was doing for them, he was saying to them, like we need in our lives, we need people to teach us and to remind us from time to time of the grace of God. That there is absolutely nothing that we can add to God's work of salvation. Write down Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We have all kinds of attacks that come, that come at us throughout our day. We have the attacks of the enemy, the devil. The Bible calls him our adversary. Doesn't he bring attacks against us? He speaks to us. He tries to, to, to accuse us. He tries to get us to, to believe that we are not children of God. Amen? Does the enemy come into your life and try to say, you're not a Christian. You're not good enough. God doesn't accept you. We have other people in our lives. Oh, you call yourself a Christian, but... And then we have our own mind, don't we? We have our past that we struggle with. We have the present, the sin in our life, the struggles that we've committed before, the struggles that we have today. Different voices that tell us that we are not one of God's children. That God has in fact not accepted us. That we don't have security. That we haven't been forgiven. Now listen, as a result of that, They steal the joy that God wants to give us in knowing that we've been forgiven by grace. If you are going to have the joy of the Lord in your life, sometimes, like the Philippians, you need people in your life who are going to teach you and remind you of the goodness and the graciousness of God in your life. By the way, before we move on, I think it's important to notice something here. The Apostle Paul said something that I think is important for some of us who are in this room tonight. You know, he says to them, he says, My brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard for you. Now, I think many people in our church family would not struggle with this because you're so new to the faith that nothing is a rerun for you. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? There are some of us here tonight that say, you know what, Pastor Robbie, every time you read a passage of Scripture, that's the first time I ever read it. Okay? So for you, you may not struggle with this. But I found many Christians throughout my life, and some of us here in this room tonight, some of us in our church family, we've been Christians for a little bit longer period of time. And you may have even heard a sermon on this very passage that we're talking about tonight. 
You may have even been in a church before that did a study on the book of Philippians. And you already knew I was going to talk about joy. (laughs) And as we would have said in Georgia, it just ruined it for you. Amen? (laughs) We need to be very careful that we don't get to a place in our lives where I say, been there, done that. Read this passage, heard that before. And in fact, those of you that are new to the faith, you don't believe it right now, but there will be a day, hopefully, we're going to be faithful here at New Hope to teach God's Word. Amen? And hopefully you are going to learn some things, and you are going to understand more, and you are going to read God's Word more, and hopefully later you are going to hear some passages that you've heard before. But the approach to God's Word is not informational. It's transformational. When we come before God's Word, it's not for the purpose of learning, being educated about some more information. It's God today, how would you speak to me through your mighty Word? So we need to be very careful about that. But let's move on. We need some people in our lives to teach us about grace, but we need to watch out for those who would rob us of grace. Write that down. Number two is watch out for those who would rob us of grace. You may or may not realize this, but there there was a group of people during this time, during the time of the early church, who called themselves Christians, and they followed the Apostle Paul around everywhere that he went. And when he led people to the Lord, they tried to convince those people that they had more to do in order to be right with God. Write down Acts chapter 15, verse 5. In Acts 15, verse 5, now many uh, Bible teachers today, just so we have a name for these people, we call them the Judaizers, okay? J-U-D-A-I-Z-E-R-S, the Judaizers, okay? And what these people taught, what these people tried to pass on to others was, okay, you've accepted Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised, and you also need to follow the Old Testament laws. Okay, you need, to, you need to follow very strictly the Old Testament. Now, we don't necessarily have a group like that running around today. But you and I need to realize that not... Listen to me. Not everyone who talks about God is trustworthy. Did you hear that? Not everybody who's opening up a Bible, not everybody who puts the word church out in front of a building, not everybody who has a TV program, not everybody who writes books is trustworthy. You say, well, Pastor Robbie, how do we know? That's a good question, right? How do we know who we can trust? The short answer is, you check what people teach against the full Word of God. And the more that you and I grow in God's Word, the more we have the discernment to say, okay, God, that, that sounds more like what I've learned that Your Word teaches. You don't really even need to know what New Hope teaches. You need to know what the Word of God teaches. Sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, hey, Pastor Roy, what does your church teach about? And I say, well, you ought to be nervous if I told you this is what New Hope says. But let's open up the Bible and let's see what the Bible says. Now, specifically as it relates to what we're discussing today, There are many churches, and listen friends, I'm just trying to help you here from God's Word. There are many groups who claim to be Christian, but they teach other people that God's message is Jesus plus. Jesus 
plus something else is what you need for your salvation. And there's lots of different things that people add to that. They might say it's uh, doing good things. You need Jesus plus you need to help little old ladies across the street like a good boy scout. Okay? Or, or you need Jesus plus to be baptized as an infant. Or you need Jesus plus to take communion or to go to some religious classes. Or you need Jesus plus you need to be a part of a prayer group or you need to be a part of a witnessing team. You need Jesus plus something else to be right with God. That is when you should start getting nervous. The only thing, the only one who can make us right with God is Jesus Christ. Now, wait, let's not miss something here. That doesn't mean, because some people will jump to the other side and they'll say, so what are you saying, Pastor Robbie? Are you saying how we live doesn't matter? Well, let me just ask you this before I answer it. From what we know about God and His Word, would you think how we live doesn't matter? No, that doesn't sound right, does it? What the Bible teaches is, is that living a good life can never earn me a relationship with God. But when I have a relationship with God, I, it will be evidenced by living a better life. Does that make sense? Okay, so living a good life is very important. I mean, it's, it's part of the proof, it's part of the evidence that God is truly indeed working in my life, amen? And it's encouraging to me that I'm seeing some of those kind of things. I want to see more, amen? But it's encouraging to me that I see some of those kind of things coming out. But those things, though they're important, are not the requirement for a relationship with God. Here, Paul calls these people, now listen, Paul calls them, what does he say in verse 2? Beware of the dogs. Wow. That's some strong language, amen? I mean, some of us really like dogs, but this was not a compliment during this time. Okay, I'm just telling. In fact, actually, the Judaizers called people who were outside of their acceptable group the dogs. So what Paul was actually saying is, no, actually... You're the ones that have it wrong. Okay, do you see? That's what Paul was really saying. He says, he says, beware, watch out for them who are accusing other people of being outside of what God wants for us. He says, beware of the evil workers. Now listen, these were people who talked about getting really serious about God. And, and they gave the impression that of all the people that you looked at, they were the most righteous. They were very committed. They seemed very loyal. They seemed to be doing all the right things. But actually, Paul said, they're not doing good works. They're doing evil works. They are not following God. They are actually hurting His work. And then he was very graphic here. He says, they are the false circumcision. Actually, some of your translations translate that maybe more literally. They are the mutilators of the flesh. Basically, Paul was using graphic language referring to their circumcision emphasis. He says they might be physically circumcising, but they are not truly circumcising. Because God's Word makes clear that circumcision was to be symbolic. Physical circumcision was to be symbolic of spiritual circumcision, which is the true circumcision. God wants something special to happen to our heart. 
So what they said is, I'll do something outward, and that'll make me look like I'm really following God. And Paul said, no, they're the false circumcision. Now, why such strong language? And this is very important. This, makes it, this brings it down to really down to where we live and how many of us have been in, in, affected. Infected might be the word. Many of us have been affected by religious people. What are the effects of grace robbers? Write that down. I'm going to give you several things. What are the effects of grace robbers? People who distort the, accept, the, the, the graciousness that God extends to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. First of all, they take away from Jesus' work. When we say that there is anything but Christ, what we're saying is that Jesus was not, is not sufficient. Write down the book of Hebrews. You can go back and read the whole book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews basically says Jesus, as you saw when the band was playing, playing the drums there, basically Hebrews is like, okay, drum roll please, and then Jesus is the boom at the top. Okay? Nobody higher than Him. Let me ask you this. Does Jesus really need me to add one single thing to His great work? He doesn't need me to, does He? Okay, number two. Why does Paul use this strange language? What do grace robbers do? They keep people from having assurance. What do I mean by that? Listen, friends. When churches teach you that you have to do good for God to accept you, people never know how good is good enough. And they never know where they stand with God. Now, some of us in this room have never been involved with church before, but many of us have. And you know what it's like. Many of you have been in churches before that have taught that you've got to be a really good boy or girl. And if you're not... Well, maybe God's not going to be so pleased with you and He might just not keep you in His family. Right? Many of us, whether direct or whether it was implied in some way, have been given the impression you better stay in line or God may not keep you in or let you in. To keep us from having assurance. Tonight, I want to tell you, if it's based upon me, I lost it probably a half an hour ago. And related to that, they steal the joy of our salvation. What kind of relationship is it if you are never sure where it is? Amen? If you can never truly know if it's secure. If you, can, if you can't. Listen, God sets us free. He sets me free. And now, now I'm not bound to have to do right. I'm set free to want to do right. I, I'm set free to explore. And to to experience a relationship with my wonderful Savior that Sandra just sang about. Because of that emphasis, many people, because of, because of those Judaizers, because of those people that add something else to it that we have to do, many people think of Christianity, many people think of, of the faith of walking with Christ as a negative, as a burden. It's because of that legalistic, self-righteous, negative approach. But you know what Jesus said? And somebody says, oh, yeah, one of those people's probably in this room. And you go, oh, you're one of those pom poms for Jesus. Oh, just love and joy and peace and everything. No, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I came that you might have life and have it overflowing. We talk about sin at New Hope because the Bible talks about sin. 
And you don't have any good news if there's not some bad news. There is some bad news. But God's emphasis is not the bad news. He tells us about the bad news because He needs for us to, to turn to Him. That's the good news. We can turn to Him. He came to give us life. And that word in Greek is parasua. It means like a, just an overflowing fountain. I want to tell you what. When I move beyond having to and really truly understand I want to follow Jesus. I love Him. He's changed my life. He is in the process of changing my life more. And the closer I get to Him, I want to know Him more. He's making my life better. Amen? His Word says in 1 John 5, verse 3, His commandments are not burdensome. He said in Matthew 11, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not trying to weigh anybody down. Make it hard on us. And the ultimate impact, number four. Okay, we said they take away from Jesus' work. They keep people from having assurance. They steal the joy of salvation. But number four, now listen, because God takes this very seriously. They block people from God. That is very serious. There are people who genuinely want to come to God. And many times, Christians are getting in their way. Have you heard the Casting Crown song? Jesus, Friend of Sinners? It says, the world is coming to you and they're tripping over us. Now, let's don't get our theology wrong. I know the world is not coming to God in the first place. In the first place, we're going away from God. But what that song is implying is, is that God is working in many people's lives and they're desiring to come to God, but they can't get to God because they're having to trip over us. God forbid, amen? I want to be an assistant on the way to Jesus. Not a roadblock, amen? In contrast, God says in His Word here, He says, listen, what He was looking for, we're the true circumstances. What God is looking for is people who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, I'm looking for people who worship in the Spirit. They're not depending on externals. They glory in Christ and His work, not in their own work. I'm not trying to show anybody how wonderful I am because I'm afraid you'll look too close. Amen? You'll find out. Come to my house. You'll see, I slam my door and yell at my kids sometimes. I'm trying to less. <laughs> they put no confidence in the flesh. They're not at all proud or depending on their own efforts. <laughs> I'm just kidding about slamming my door. I'll slam my door. I do a lot of other things wrong. All right. <laughs> If you ask someone about their relationship with God and they say, you know what? I try to be a good person. I try to go to church. I try to give. I try to do this, that. That is not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is I can't, but God has. And if I will trust in Him based on what He did, He will forgive me. And it gives you great joy. I don't have to anymore. Amen? Number three, that leads us to every one of us is in need of God's grace. Look at what Paul says in verses 4 through 6. He says, listen, okay, okay, boys. He's talking to these people that were making it hard for other people to come to God. If you want to compare resumes, 
I can imagine that these people probably portrayed themselves as more spiritual than Paul. Paul would come in, he'd lead people to Christ, then he would go to another area. These people would come in and try to mess up God's work. And they'd probably come in and lead a little conference or something or have some little get-togethers and say, you know what, Paul, he's really cute. And he does his best to serve the Lord, but he doesn't have the full message. We're here to take you the next step. Or Paul, he's kind of a slacker. He wants to do it halfway. You know, he's for that grace thing because then you don't have to do anything, you know. But we're here to say, no, you've got to do some things. Paul's a compromiser. Or you know what, Paul, he's a rebel. He's a renegade. He's kind of a lone ranger. He doesn't really obey all of God's ways. He kind of makes it up as he goes along, picks and chooses. Now us, on the other hand, we do things the right way. We're more holy. We're more righteous. You should follow the way that we follow. In verses 4-6, through six, Paul says, Okay, guys, if y'all want to compare resumes, Paul basically says, he gives a summary, and basically that summary might be this. I did everything just right and the way it was supposed to be, and it wasn't enough. Paul says, look what he says in verse 4. He says, I, he says, if anybody's going to have confidence in our own self, I might be able to have some. Paul's being a little bit sarcastic here. Okay? He says, I was, uh, I was circumcised the eighth day. Basically, my parents did what they were supposed to do as good Jewish parents. Somebody here might say, I was baptized as an infant. I was dedicated as a child. Okay? Sort of that kind of idea. My parents did what they were supposed to do from the very beginning. Then he talks about his heritage. He said, I was of the nation of Israel. He says, I was not a Gentile proselyte. I was not somebody outside of Israel who came in. I was born into the Israel nation, a natural-born Jewish person. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was one of Jacob, who later is where Israel got its name. Benjamin was one of Jacob's favorite sons from one of his favorite wives. And that's a whole other problem, but we can talk about that later. Okay, so. And the first king of Israel came from that tribe. Actually, Saul. That probably he was named after. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You can't get any more Hebrew than I was. So what these Judaizers were trying to do is they were trying to make people more like that. Paul said, I've been that. You can't beat my heritage. And you can't beat my devotion. He said, I was a Pharisee. When people talked about people who were dedicated to God, I was, I was as committed, I was as high as a person can be recognized in, in attaining that level of dedication. I was very zealous. I was very passionate. I was very devoted. I was very dedicated to God. Even to the, fact, to the point of that he couldn't tolerate. In fact, if you go back and read the book of Acts, you'll see that the Apostle Paul was so zealous, he was attacking the church for their message. And even being a party to people being persecuted and even losing their life. What might we say today? You might say, I grew up in church my whole life. Say, are you a Christian? Well, I've been in church ever since I can remember. Even before I was born. I'm 35 years old. I've been in church since I was 35 years and 9 months. You know, I've been going to church. I received First Communion. I did catechism or confirmation classes. If you maybe are part of a church like New Hope, you can say, well, I grew up in Awana. Man, I've been memorizing verses. I, I finished my book before anybody else in my class. 
every year. Got the highest award. I went to Teens Involved with Word of Life. We won first place national worship team. You're asking me if I know God? Hmm. (laughs) Of course, I know God. Because why? Because I did all that. But just like Paul, you probably found out. Some of that might have been good, right? Some of it maybe not. Some of it maybe was good. But none of it was what? Enough. No matter how many times I attend, how many verses, no matter how much recognition I do, Listen, friend, most of us have been told, oh, I pray that God would set somebody free tonight. Most of us have been told, if you get it all right, maybe God will accept you. Paul says, I tried that route and it didn't work. No matter how hard I tried, I still could not get myself to God. Every single one of us, this is the point, is in need of God's grace. Friends, grace is God giving us something amazing that we don't deserve. God's saying to us, I want to give you an incredible offer. I want to exchange all your mess for all my wonder and goodness. Will you receive that? Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? The problem is we live in a world where usually it is too good to be true. But this one's not too good to be true. And instead of fighting so hard to prove that you're different, no, I'm the one that has to prove it. If you really think about that, probably, I don't mean to get too analytical or psychological, but probably, you're probably doing that because of some person in your life. But just between you and God, would you just be honest today and say, God, I give. I can't do it. It's wearing me out. And Lord, I admit it tonight. I need you to do something for me that I can't do for myself. And friend, there's no shame in that. That's exactly what God wants you to do. That's the smartest thing you could ever do. You were built for that. It's not like you were supposed to be better and okay, God will give you a salvage plan. It's like, no. Your life was not meant to operate without God filling it. And so it would make sense if it's just not going well. And eventually, if I refuse to receive that, it's going to keep me separated from God forever. And God never intended for you to face that. He wants you to have a relationship with Him tonight. There is great joy tonight. I tell you, I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of things I don't know about. I got question marks. Amen, anybody? But I have some joy in my life because I know tonight, I know that I know that I know that I have been forgiven and accepted by this Almighty God. And it brings joy. Joy unspeakable, inexpressible. It doesn't make sense. I should be worried, actually. I shouldn't be here. I should be doing something. Amen. (laughs) Making a phone call, paying a bill, working something. But tonight, I can rest in Him.
Do you know that tonight? And friend, let me just shoot straight with you. If you are one of those Judaizers, if God is working in people's lives, but they're having to stumble over you, that's a very tough place to be in. Actually, God has the harshest words for those situations than really anybody in the Bible. Maybe except for pastors or spiritual leaders who aren't doing the right thing. It's very difficult to get back from that condition. Probably if you are in that condition tonight, you're mad at me for this message. So maybe it won't do any good. But if your heart is open, that's a good sign. Tonight, would you say, Dear Jesus, I did not even realize it. Have mercy on me, the sinner. It's me, it's not them, Lord. It's me tonight. And I need you to have mercy on me. And to give me something I don't deserve. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy inexpressible that we can have when the God who created us is willing to offer us this incredible gift. And I pray that every person in this room has experienced that. If there's someone here that hasn't, Lord, no matter where they are, maybe they're a person that's brand new to all this, brand new to church, to God, like I mentioned at the beginning of the service, I used to be. Maybe it's a person that's been around your things their whole life. And it's just gotten so many layers that somehow you've gotten blocked out on the outside. No matter where we are tonight, Lord, would we realize our desperate need for you and be willing to surrender? Father, help us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.